The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. All right, thanks Rudy and Bob, and I am Rob. Good morning, welcome to Crosspoint. I'm one of the pastors here. We are so thankful to have you here this morning. Something that you might not know is that Crosspoint Church is part of this denomination or this network of churches across the country, even across the globe. And nationally, we are divided up divided up into different uh, geographical districts. We are part of the South Pacific District, and the headquarters for that are actually just a couple minutes up the road here in Murrieta. So Keith Nigenfeind is the assistant superintendent for that South Pacific District. He oversees missions and leadership, and basically he's a pastor to pastors. So when you think about Pastors at a church, who do they go to for uh, wise counsel and prayer? They, we often go to those um, at the denominational office. So Keith grew up or was born in San Diego and grew up in Seattle. So he's a long-suffering Seahawks fan like myself. So I have one more person to complain to about our poor defense this year. Um, for eight years, he and his wife, Sarah, before moving to Carlsbad this July, were missionaries in Thailand. They have two kids. Their son, Lauren, is nine, and their daughter, Margaret, is five, and super sweet kids. Now, before Keith comes up, uh, we have a video up here to show you a little bit more what happens within the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Es-tu arracheté pour Dieu par ton sang des hommes de toute tribu, de toute langue, de tout peuple et de toutes les nations? Dando la bienvenida a familias latinoamericanas huyendo de pandillas y amenazas de muerte. Мы представим надломленному миру надежду и примирение Господи нашему Спасителю Иисусе Христе. And there before me was a great multitude. A great multitude. That no one. That no one. That no one. That no one could count. From every nation, every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, before the throne, and before the Lamb, and before the Lamb, and before the Lamb.
Well, good morning, Cross Point Church family. It's good to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, I love that video. I wanted to start with that video. I've seen that video a, a ton of times. I can basically like, I feel like I can speak different languages now from just watching that video enough. Um, but every time it still gets me and it almost chokes me up a little bit in just seeing uh, the beauty and the diversity of God's family. And I think what's really neat about it is that helps us remember here we are on a Sunday, okay, Cross Point Church here in Temecula. Uh, but you are not just an isolated church that just has ministry going on here, but you are part of a greater family, a uh, global family, and I think it's exciting to remember. So right now, in across the United States, in different worship services, in Alliance churches like yours, there's 38 languages being spoken around the United States. That's pretty wild to think. And that's just here in the States, right? Um, so the Christian Missionary Alliance denomination, which your church is a part of, it's 130 years old. And um, in the US, we have about 2,000 churches, and I think there's a little more than 500,000 members. But the cool thing is this, uh, even though it's only 130 years old and it started in New York, uh, there are more than six million members worldwide. And so um, if you wanna say you're a movement that cares about missions, well, uh, you should have mathematical uh, equations such as that, that you can see the membership of the Alliance is outside. It's pretty amazing. So it started with a guy named A.B. Simpson, okay? A.B. Simpson was a pastor of, I would say, the most prominent church in New York City at the time. Uh, it was, I believe it was first Presbyterian church in Manhattan. Um, on his days off, he would go down to the docks and he would share the, doc, the gospel with immigrants coming in. Uh, mainly Italian immigrants. So today's society, I want you to think about this. In today's society, we think of Italians, they're just like one of us, okay? A lot of us probably have some Italian heritage in us. But in the late 1800s, the Italians were the most disliked immigrant group coming into the country, all right? They looked at Italians as people who were gonna come mess up American society. Uh, they were mainly Catholic, they were worried about crime, different things like that, right? So um, he would go down to this group, which I think is interesting because if we look at it through that lens, right, you can try to figure out who's that group today that we look at and say, oh, we don't want that group of people coming here. Uh, Simpson starts leading some of these people to Christ. They get saved. He's excited about this, right? He brings them back to his church. His church is like, that's really cool what you were doing, but uh, we're like an upper class white person church, maybe we could start a side group for these people and they can have their own little service. And something about that didn't resonate with Simpson's heart, right? And so that alongside with Simpson encountering the Lord in powerful ways, ended up starting a movement that was about the whole gospel for the whole world, right? So question is though, okay, how did it go from one dude sharing the gospel with immigrants to six million members worldwide? How does that happen in the in-between? And I would say, well, it's simply churches like you guys, like Cross Point Church, staying on mission, saying God has called us to a specific place, to a specific people group, right? But also saying God is also calling us together as a family to reach the whole world, right? So um, before we go in, I just wanna tell you guys, thank you. Thank you for what you guys do to shed, share God's truths here in Temecula. Thank you for your support of missions. Thank you for what you guys do to be a part of the Global Alliance family. We're grateful for you guys. All right. 
So, uh, who I am, you're probably like, who is this random guy up here talking this morning? Um, as he said, my name's Keith Nigenfine. I help in our district. So, I love, what I love about our district of the Alliance is it goes from Bakersfield, okay, to the Mexican border, Arizona, New Mexico, and then, logically, the Pacific Ocean on the west is the border. Um, we have about 120 churches uh, in our region. And what's neat is, all right, I have to look at the list even because I don't know. We have 17 Chinese-speaking churches in our district. Ten of them are Spanish-speaking. Eight are primarily Filipino. Four are Native American. Three are predominantly African-American. Three are Arabic. We have an Ethiopian church. We have eight Cambodian churches, Vietnamese churches, Korean churches, and the list goes on and on. And... Heaven forbid, if you ever have to move locations, right? If you leave Temecula and you're not able to go to Crosspoint and you move somewhere else, chances are there is probably another Alliance Church so you can continue to be part of the family wherever you go. Uh, but that's not my history. My history was missions and I'll just give a background of kind of what we did. So we were missionaries in Thailand for eight years. Um, when we first moved to Thailand, we did ministry among kind of rural people. Uh, it's an area called the Isan region of Thailand. Um, this area is very unreached. We worked with two church plants. Uh, one was in a city context. I use that term loosely. It was 70,000 people surrounded by rice fields. Um, another one was a town of 12,000 people. Uh, this town had no church, and there was one couple. Uh, they would ride their motorcycle. Once again, motorcycle. We use motorcycle. Okay, in Thailand, you would just say it's a scooter. Okay, it was probably like a 50cc uh, motorcycle. Um, and they would, be, they would ride this 45 minutes to the closest church, which was actually an Alliance church, and we're like, what if we use this couple as the people of peace? Uh, she was a barber, he was a rubber tree farmer, and we kind of came around them and helped them uh, start a church in that area. Uh, one thing we saw, though, when we were in the rural regions of Thailand was um, we would share the gospel, and they would say a few things. First off, they would say, I believe what you're saying is true. Right? I, think, I think this story about Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his life, I think it's true. Right? Secondly, they would say, I think it's good. Right? I, think, I think Christianity has a lot of benefits. I see the benefits of Christianity, I think it's good. Now for us from the West, the logical third response would be like, I'll take that, right? Easy, easiest decision ever. If something's true and if something's good, we'll take it. Uh, but for these people in their social context, uh, they said it's true, it's good, but I don't want to become a Christian uh, because of societal pressures, social pressures, I think spiritual warfare as well. So we were kind of left with how could we reach these people on a potentially more level playing field? Um, so what we were seeing was some of their kids from the villages would go to the cities, and while they're in the cities, uh, they would be at the university time, and they'd be more receptive to the gospel. So we were like, maybe we should go to the university campus. Uh, so we decided to move back to Bangkok, uh, go to the university campus, and then secondly, I was like, all right, how can we reach these people and not on an organic level, right? How can I not just be like, hey, I'm Keith the missionary, and then no one wants to talk to me anymore? Um, so I enrolled in my PhD program at a local Thai university. Uh, I did a PhD in religion and philosophy at a Thai university, and you can go to the, the next slide. And through that, we were able to start Alliance University Center. Um, we had a five-story townhouse. We'd run events, games, uh, lots of random American parties that people would come and they were excited about. And the best part is we established a church there. 
and we saw people get saved and get baptized and saw God do some really neat things. Um, our story, though, that's just one story of the 700 Alliance missionaries around the world, right? Your church, when you guys give to the Great Commission Fund on a personal level, on a church level, um, you're giving to something like that in Thailand, but uh, other stories, I could share a, a million stories up here, but in Burkina Faso, we're digging wells to provide water for people who have no clean water access, right? In Jordan, they have a community center, and they're running a community center to provide education for women and children who have no chance in that society to have those opportunities. In Guadalajara, there's a church planting movement, and I heard that on the first Sunday that they planted the first church, the cartel came in and said, you're not planting churches here. Uh, three years and five churches later, I would think the cartel might have been wrong. Um, in Gabon, we have the only acceptable hospital uh, that deals mainly with child delivery, uh, and no one can leave the hospital until you've heard the gospel presented to you uh, before you leave. That's the, that's the stipulation. Um, in Indonesia, the Alliance Church is huge. It's much bigger than our church here, but what they found was when we went into Indonesia in the 1940s, uh, the tribal people were really receptive to the gospel, but the Muslim population was not. So now, uh, American missionaries, as long, alongside the Indonesian uh, tribal church, are now partnering together to do missions work among the Muslim population of Indonesia. Uh, in Taiwan, we have coffee shop ministries where we're working out to young professionals. Um, in North Africa, we're getting into countries we never had access before. In post-Christian Germany, they're working in Berlin, running an art center downtown that's working with young artists, trying to get the gospel out there. In China, they work with both people from the government church and underground church trying to purify and get the gospel saturated in that area. Um, in Lebanon, we have the Christian Alliance Institute of Theology, uh, which is a seminary, and what's neat about this is Lebanon is somewhat open access, right? But all around Lebanon, you have Middle Eastern countries that you could never study theology. So now people have an opportunity to come, study, and go back out, right? Uh, in Cambodia, we're seeing rapid church planting movement. Uh, you guys have unique partnerships here, right? You have, I think, the Woods, right? Some of you know the Woods, right? Chris and Tatum, they were part of your church um, working in Central Asia among different people. The Chayas, right? You guys know them, working with refugees, uh, doing great work in Spain as well. So the reason I share this is these stories, you guys are a part of that. You guys, as part of the Alliance family, when you hear these stories, I hope you get excited and say, you have a small part in what's going on around the world as well. And I wanna encourage you, as you hear these stories, we need the next generation of pastors and missionaries to step up as well. Right? Uh, this work that's going on, we need to see the next generation of Alliance pastors and Alliance missionaries. And so if you have even the slightest bit of, this is something I could do, potentially God is calling me to this, I wanna encourage you, answer that call, right? And you will never regret stepping out. Um, this morning though, I don't wanna just look at what the Alliance is doing, right? Yes, it's exciting, yes, that's part of our family, yes, we should continue to be a part of that. But I wanna look at, what does missional living look like for you guys in your life? What does it mean to be a part of a missional movement? And what does missions mean for you guys here in Temecula in your daily life as well? All right, so we're gonna look at kind of the twofold nature of missions, 
what's going on globally, but also what role do you have to play in missions in your own context here, all right? So if you have your Bibles this morning, we're gonna look at Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Colossians 4, verse 2 through 6. And I'll read for us this morning. It says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let's pray this morning before we jump in. God, we love you. We want to just take this time and lay it down at your feet, God. We pray your will be done in the service, Lord. I pray that you may open eyes, open hearts, open minds, Lord, that we may hear clearly from you. Holy Spirit, we invite you here to come do a work. Uh, We thank you for this time. We give it to you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Colossians, all right? The background of Colossians is this. Paul is most likely writing this letter from jail in Rome. When you think about Paul, here's something that we can forget about Paul. So many times when, I, when we picture Paul in the church, I think we picture kind of this sage scholar who's sitting in an office writing just, you know, great theological works, right? But what we forget is Paul, by every definition of the word, Paul was a missionary, right? Literally, he hits everything. So Paul would go to areas of the world that had no gospel access, right? Share the good news with people, raise up leaders, establish church centers, establish leadership, then move on to the next spot, and on and on and on. Oh, and by the way, how was Paul freed up to do this? Paul was part of a network of churches that gave to a centralized fund that supported Paul to go and do that work, right? Here we are 2,000 years later, basically doing the exact same thing that Paul was doing, right? The way that the Alliance does missions, we could be like, wow, this is radical and this is new how we're doing missions. No, we're just doing the same thing the church did 2,000 years ago, right? So Paul was a missionary uh, in every sense of the word. The church in Colossae, what's interesting is the church in Colossae was what we would call a developing church, okay? Uh, Basically, The church was not a very strong church. It was full of new Christians. It was just starting. If you read the rest of Colossians, a lot of it is like, okay, guys, you need to remember that Christ needs to be supreme, right? It deals with basic theological context. Why is that important? I think that's important this morning because sometimes when somebody comes in and talks about missions or talks about evangelism, right away a switch goes on and says, that's a really cool thing for super Christians, right? That, when we talk missions, when we talk this kind of lifestyle, that's a great thing for somebody who's, you know, a really mature Christian and a real super believer. But what we see here as Paul's talking about missions is Paul is saying, no, 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 this message of missions, this message of kingdom living, of evangelism, of a missional lifestyle, that is for any single person who says, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, 
it's for you this morning. So if you were getting excited because you're like, this is a message I can check out on, uh, bummer, you're not off the hook that easily today. Okay, so here's what's going on about this passage though. Uh, how many of you, I, I was disappointed last night I asked how many people know the yo-yo man and there were like three people. How many of you when you were growing up had the yo-yo man come to your school? Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, a few of you, right? The yo-yo man, okay. So when I was growing up, every year we had the yo-yo man come to our school and as a little kid, yo-yo man was the coolest guy of all time, okay? So you'd have this guy, in hindsight, he was probably the nerdiest guy in the history of mankind, but as a little kid, Yo-Yo Man was the coolest guy ever, okay? So a guy would come to the school, all right, and he would have like 15 different yo-yos, okay? And they all had really cool names like, you know, Fire Dragon or, you know, Thunder Planet, I don't know, whatever. They're, you know, they're cooler names than what I'm saying. But you were enticed, right? And Yo-Yo Man would do all these tricks, okay? And then at the end, he would be like, and if you just buy these yo-yos, you know, so I would save up and I was so excited and I'd buy that yo-yo. And literally two minutes later, you're like, this is stupid. Why did I spend money on this yo-yo? I can't do tricks with it, right? But uh, yo-yos, okay? We're getting off track. Yo-yos, what do yo-yos do, right? You throw it and then it comes back to you, right? You throw it and it comes back, okay? And so what Paul is doing here in this passage as he's talking about missions is Paul's using kind of a yo-yo back and forth concept here, right? Paul is saying, okay, missions for you, here's what your role is. Here's what you do for the missionaries abroad, and here's what it looks like in your personal life, okay? And as we look at this passage, I want you to not think of the yo-yo man, okay? But think of the yo-yo concept, right? Of how Paul is saying, everybody has different roles in missions and it goes back and forth, okay? So first verse, which is actually verse two, uh, where it says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, as you read that verse, initially I would think, okay, missions, devote myself to prayer. We need to be praying for the missionaries, right? But that's not what Paul's talking about here, because what does it say in verse three? Verse three says, and pray for us too. So what does that mean in verse two? Who are you devoting yourselves in prayer for? For yourselves, right? Yourselves. That God will use you to go out and share the good news, right? Being watchful, right? Being watchful for who? Not, oh, I heard about this opportunity in Kyrgyzstan. We should send somebody there. No, no, no. Be watchful in your community of who it is that God has put in front of you. And the third thing is be thankful. What does thankful have to do with missions? Well, every single one of us in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, right, either A, somebody brought the gospel to you or somebody brought the gospel to your parents or your great-grandparents, there's always a point where faith in your family started. And somebody had that awkward conversation with you of, hey, uh, I want to tell you about my church or Jesus, right? Whatever it may be, okay? They stepped across the aisle, right? Stepped out of their comfort zone and you would not be here today if it wasn't for somebody living a missional life. So for me, uh, part of the reason why I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of the Christian Missionary Alliance is I'm grateful to the Alliance. My grandparents moved to San Diego. My great-grandparents moved to San Diego in the Late 1800s, early 1900s, they were not believers. Uh, my great-grandma worked in a bank. Somebody from First Alliance Church of San Diego 
invited her, hey, you should come to our church on Sunday. They came, got saved. Um, here I am today, right? Because somebody had that conversation. Be thankful for those people. And could it be that you will be the person that someone will be thankful for in your life, all right? So the first is on you, okay? Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Responsibility for you in missions. You're put into a context, you have connections, you have people in your life that nobody else in this room that your pastor cannot reach for you, right? That a missionary cannot reach for you. Uh, be looking for those opportunities in your life, okay? So that's us, right? Then Yo-Yo goes back, okay? Verse three, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I think verse three and four are some of the weirdest prayers in scripture. Right? I know it's maybe wrong to say Paul is a weird prayer, but um, check this out, okay? Where, where's Paul right now? Jail, okay? So let, let's say I'm back in Thailand serving, you know, still serving as a missionary, okay? I'm in jail. I send a prayer letter to my Alliance family. Hey, Crosspoint, pray for me. What am I gonna pray for? Pray that I get out of jail, right? <laughs> like, like, I'm in prison. Please pray that I can get out of jail so I can continue my ministry, right? Because it's really terrible that I'm in jail. I shouldn't be here. I should be out in the church. But what does Paul pray? Paul's not even thinking about, Paul is so laser focused on proclaiming the gospel, right? That Paul just says, pray that God may open a door for our message, okay? So that we can proclaim the mystery of Christ. Wow, that's, that's a shift, right? What else is weird about this prayer? I think another thing strange about this prayer is this. Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. I don't know about you, but when I think of a guy who wrote most of the New Testament, my initial thought is, Paul, you're probably good <laughs> on proclaiming the gospel. Like, we're literally like going and studying years of our life of your writings to understand how to proclaim the gospel. Why do you need prayer for that, right? But what did Paul realize? Paul realized without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we're nothing. We can accomplish nothing, right? So if you notice, our title is the Christian and Missionary Alliance, right? There's a missionary component, but the Christian part was initially Simpson started a group called the Christian Alliance. And this is where believers were like, I'm tired of just going to church and not encountering God, right? There's gotta be something more. There's a deeper life out there for us, right? And so it was a deeper life movement realizing we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And Paul always realized this. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, Paul says this, not that we're competent in ourselves, to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Paul had this classic passage, many of us know it. Paul said, when I'm weak, I am strong. Because Paul realized when Paul is weak, all of a sudden he's not relying on his own skills, on his own talents, on his own abilities, right? But he gets to the point where he's like, okay, Lord, if you don't come through, I can't do anything. And I would say this morning, as I look around this room, there is more untapped power than we even have a clue in this room this morning, right? 
There is more untapped spiritual power that God wants to supernaturally equip us to go. But so many times we err on two sides, right? A is, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I'm not talented enough. I'm not educated enough, right? Have you ever seen the screwballs that God uses in this, in this book? I mean, come on, man. This, you know, right? God wants to equip you. Or the other side is, I'm pretty good already. I have pretty good education, pretty good abilities, right? I'm likable. I think I can do this. And you never come to the feet of Jesus for that supernatural equipping, right? But Paul realized we absolutely needed that in our kingdom advancement. Okay, so there's that, right? Paul uses the word proclamation too. I just want to say this. Paul says, pray that I can proclaim it clearly as I should. And I would just say, listen, if you ever hear of something that is a missional movement, a missions movement that doesn't entail proclamation of the gospel, then it's not missions, right? It's not missions. You know, in the Alliance, we have different wings of missions, okay? We have comma services, which does relief and development, right? We have Envision, which does short-term trips. We have marketplace ministries, which is professionals who go and live a career and use that to be kingdom-oriented, right? So there's a lot of different ways we go. We serve the hands and feet. We take care of the poor. As you saw, we dig wells. We do hospitals. We do all those different things. But every element still entails sharing the good news of Christ, right? And if you're just being good people in your community without the proclamation piece, then we're missing the boat of what it means to have missional living. Okay, final parts. It was on us, back to Paul. Final verses, back to us. It says this, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Does anyone in this room make the most of every opportunity? Anybody say that you can do that? If you do, you're awesome, and I want to come talk to you and figure out how you've done it, right? If, if I'm honest and I read this passage, I'm convicted. I think about all the opportunities I miss on a consistent basis, right? So, and if we're honest with ourselves, okay, look, nobody in here is going to make the most of every opportunity, okay? We're human. We have problems. But my question is for all of us, and the question that I have for myself is, are you willing to make the most of every opportunity, I have times in, in this new role, I travel a lot, and I have times maybe where I get on a plane and I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Like, I don't want to talk to the person on my right or my left. And I have to check myself, am I, am I willing to make the most of this opportunity? You know, Am I willing to, no matter where I go, no matter what I'm doing, to say, okay, Lord, if you have something for me today, if there's something that you want me to do in this setting, I'm willing to make the most of every opportunity. All right? That's a, big, that's a big step to say that. He goes on to say this, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. Question for you today, okay? Anybody in here really stoked and excited about how Christians are portrayed in the media today? 
Anyone, anyone excited about that this morning? Uh, why? Why has the church not been portrayed super positively in the media? I think there's an element of it's just not fair, okay? I think there's an element of some people just don't like Christians and are looking for ways to bring them down. So there's some of that, right? But there's also some of that that I think we've done to ourselves as well. And I think the reason is, is why? Because we'll have either A, the grace part and no salt, or B, the salt part and no grace, right? So what does that look like? Some people are full of salt with no grace, okay? They have the truth of scripture, all right? They understand the gospel. Well, they understand more or less the gospel, but they understand what sin is. They understand what right and wrong is, right? They understand the truth of God's word, okay? But the way that they convey it has no grace, right? No gentleness, no love, no kindness, no peace, right? The fruit, it's not filtered through the fruit of the spirit. It's just truth, 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 and everyone's like, I ain't talking to that guy. That guy's crazy, right? Or the other element is we have people who maybe have grace and gentleness and the love component, but they've drifted from the truth of God's word, right? They're finding their ethics and their morality dictated by Instagram, Twitter, whatever culture is telling them is right is wrong, right? And they're not rooted on the word of God. I don't know where you are this morning, but I can tell you that every single person in this room, we have a tendency to slant to one of those two sides, right? Every single person has a tendency to be like, I'm a little more salt focused, uh, but I need some grace. Or you're like, I really like the grace component, but uh, I don't wanna be edgy and speak truth, right? So this is a good reminder in our life, in missions, always be full of grace and salt in those ways. I just want to remind us too this morning, as we're talking, if, if you're not a believer this morning, right, and you're like, why is this guy telling these people to get in other people's faces and talk about Jesus? Can't they just leave people alone, right? I understand this. I, I, I did a PhD in religion, and I was the only Christian in my whole program, right? So all these guys are like, what's wrong with this evangelical Christian guy? Like, you know, aren't we all the same? Um, and I would just encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, right, and you're, and you're hearing this, there is no sense of anyone wanting to convert you or, or trying to, to get you in part of some number or some statistic. But uh, as believers, we're willing to have those awkward, uncomfortable conversations because we know that Jesus has radically transformed our lives. And we know that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. So missions is only done out of love. It's never a competition or something that we're doing. It's only done because we love people and we love God at the same time. So, Alliance family, I want to end with this this morning and I want to just turn it back on you and say, what about you? Are you going to be an active part of the family, right? Are you going to be involved in missions? Are you going to pray for the missionaries? Are you going to continue to, to, to find ways to come alongside them, to support them, whether it's financially supporting the Great Commission Fund or going and visiting them or praying for them or just simply being around them? Are you looking for them to open doors? But I also want to ask you about your own life. Are you going to make the most of every opportunity here in Temecula and be Christ to those around you? We started with Simpson. 
the guy going down to the docks, right? The founder of the Alliance. And I came across this quote last week, actually. And this quote to me is so radical and so progressive, um, but so timely for this time, even though it was written in the 1800s. And Simpson wrote this. He said this. Late 1800s, I think it's relevant today. God loves to use men in unconventional ways. The need of the church today is not a larger number of clergymen, but a larger number of men and women in social, secular, and professional life whose entire influence and talents are at the service of the master. Not a salaried and dependent priesthood who preach the gospel because it's expected of them merely, but a great body of consecrated irregulars who use their earthly station in the providence of God as a standpoint from which to serve and witness for their heavenly master and bless their fellow men. I love that term, consecrated irregulars, right? If that's not a good definition of us, consecrated irregulars, I don't know what it is. So my question is, Alliance family, are we gonna go and be consecrated irregulars, right? People who maybe don't fit in the box perfectly, who don't always know what role we did, but consecrated, set apart by God to accomplish your purpose. And as we step out and be consecrated irregulars, people of mission, I believe this verse speaks to us. And the verse I want to close with is this, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Right? I guarantee if Simpson were alive today, he said, I had some big dreams for what I was starting, but this is immeasurably more. Right? Why can't that be true for each one of us in this room today? I'm going to call the band up and uh, let's close in prayer this morning. God, we love you. God, I just thank you for this church. I pray that you continue to just take this church and set them apart for great purposes. I pray that you will raise us up to be consecrated irregulars who go out and not only push back darkness into Temecula, Lord, but you use us as a global force to push back darkness throughout the world. We thank you that you have given us, through the power of the Spirit, everything we need to accomplish your purposes here. We lay our lives down at your feet this morning. Take us, use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Keith, for your message. Thank you for the way that you um, and Sarah serve us in the Alliance and here at Cross Point. So this morning, this is your opportunity now to respond to what God has been speaking to you this morning. Maybe this is the first time you've been in a church. You got dragged here this morning. And this Jesus guy is totally new to you. And maybe you need to know that you are created, you are loved, you have been known for a long time, and you are pursued by a God who deeply, deeply loves you. And maybe you're here this morning and you're figuring out what are these opportunities? Where are these opportunities that I've been given? So whether you find yourself in jail this week or Trader Joe's, wherever that might be, God is tapping on your shoulder and the Holy Spirit wants to speak through you and touch a life of another broken human being, somebody who doesn't know Jesus. So for the next few minutes, we have the opportunity to respond to God, to hear what he's calling us to do, to worship through music.
We also have communion stations in the four corners of this room. You can participate in that sacrament, remembering what Jesus did on the cross for you and celebrating that. We have a prayer team in the back. We, they would love to pray for you, anything that's going on in life right now. Let's worship. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.